Bam, we're live. It's live. Talking Wax, Artist Rewind, Artist on Record, whatever you want it to be, it is. But today we have a special, special, special holiday. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. I did. I see the chat starting to light up over there. Special guest coming on. But before we do that, everybody, please always remember to subscribe. Hit that bell to be reminded when we're coming on because you know what? You want to make sure. And also, please check us out on Spotify. Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Instagram, Artist on Record. It's only rock and roll. We like it. Today, check out who I have coming on next on Artist on Record. Bam! Chocolate Wax. Good evening, everybody. We're live. And I hope you're all doing good. You know what? I made a friend today, and I was going to pre-record, and I still am. I did a great interview with a legend bass player, fantastic storyteller, wonderful person. But the guy was in one of the iconic bands of, of our time. And you know what? You might know which band that is because it's right over here. Usually I'll play the vinyl record and share it with you. Well, you know, we go through the tracks together. But you guys know this band, Paul Revere and the Raiders. That's right. Wonderful band. And this band should be in the Hall of Fame. It's a sin. And we're going to talk about that and much, much more. But the gentleman that was the bass player of this band, he has a CD out. Phil Fang Volk. He's in the house. And he put out this great CD. And I'll put the links in there for you to check it out. And maybe, if you're nice, we'll play a little music from this, play music from that, and other bands that he might have been in. But wait till you hear his story. I mean, we have a show. It's off the hook. He's telling stories about Hendrix, about the Stones, about just everything. Good when music was music, when music was real, and it was a lot of soul. And it's all coming up next. But right now, everybody, I think enough chit-chat over here. Let me fix my wig, get your life together. Let's welcome to the stage, to YouTube, the wonderful, the only, the original. He's a Hall of Famer in my heart and yours. Phil Fang Volk's in the house. Give him a round of applause. Everybody, give him a round of applause. Yes, Phil. Welcome. He's here. That's right. Wow. That's right. That's an introduction. Phil. Wow, man. How can I, how can I live up to this? <laughs> <laughs> Phil, this is so cool that you're here. We, we didn't even plan of doing a live show, you and I. We were going to pre-record it and edit it, and I'm still going to do that because I'm going to put a story behind the story, talking right. with you, videos, clips, music, everything. Phil has a crazy history, a crazy oh, past. It's a rock and roll past. One. It's a good history. I love it. But, Phil. I, I'm you, so happy to be here with you live because uh, this afternoon we did two hours pre-recorded, and we had such a good time. We could have gone on and on for more hours, but thank you for being a good listener and letting me tell my stories. You know what? Thank you for having the stories and sharing with us. These stories should be documented. They should never be forgotten. And you know what? You, this band, Paul Revere and the Raiders, this greatest hits album that I have here with songs like Hungry, songs like Kicks. I mean, you're original. You did Stepping Stone before. The other guys did it. You yeah, before the before the monkeys. We did it in August of '66, and they recorded it in uh, December of '66. And actually, the writer Tommy Boyce took our demo of that song that we had recorded and took it to the monkeys and said, "Copy this." 
Mm. Because when we told him we weren't going to put it out as a 45, he got a little upset with us. But we put out Hungry, which was a monster hit. It was huge. Huge. These are all, this is the stuff we talked about, and we're going to put it on the show for people. But you know what, Phil? I'm going to show you some love. In the audience, there's a lot of love for you, and I'm going to pop up some of the comments. First of all, we have the beautiful over here. We have Debbie Muller says hello to Jeff, but she was also saying hello right here. Hi, Phil. Thank you for being here. She's all happy that you're here. Yeah, Great to hi, see Debbie. you. Hi, we Debbie. got over here Zandra. We've got the ladies over here first come over here. Zandra says, hi, Phil, over here. Hey, wait a second. Wait, time out. Phil Fang Volk is a single man now. <laughs> there it is. All right. Well, you know what? This this is the place for the. What can I tell you? Can you hook me up? I think I think we can. I think we can. I mean, the I'm guy is for another. I'm looking for a companion. My dear wife Tina passed five months ago. Mm. She got mm. Alzheimer, and my dear loved one. This was her right here. Let's Can put that big for you. Yeah, uh. Tina Mason. Something wonderful, Tina Mason. Look at that. She's beautiful. That beautiful woman. B Tina we Mason. Were married, we were married beautiful. fifty-four years, and my heart is broken that we're not together anymore. And uh, I. I I guess I just need a companion. I, I love to have a girl companion. It, it is nice. But you know what? The one thing you did have, you had true love with, with Tina, and you had Absolutely. great memories. Beautiful totally. lady. How long were you guys married for? 54 years. 54 years. And, and how many children? Four, and we had four kids. Four kids. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Look, Debbie just said beautiful woman over there. Um, you know what? I actually, since we do a little vinyl and we share stories behind it, usually I'll play a record and I'll talk about the recordings because I can't believe I got you right here. This is so cool. This is so cool. But I want to, you know, let's 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 share this, some of T Tina's hey, look, music I, right I here. Got, I got the same album. <laughs> <laughs> you do you have the what? same record. I want you to I want you to play a song off of Let, this. Let's do it. You, you know what? I'll let you be the DJ. You pick um, the tracks you want to hear. Good thing. Good thing. Oh my God! What a great recording session that was. Tell us about the good thing. Tell us about why. Well, we wrote the song at Terry Melcher's house, which was the famous Cielo Drive house. And that's where he rented the house to Sharon Tate. And the rest is history. I don't want to get into the gory details. But <laughs> Mark Mark, Mark, and, and Terry moved out of the house. And Sharon Tate moved in. And now, uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino made a movie called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood based on that history and and he used four raider songs in his movie four wow wow and he showed and he showed this album cover he showed this album cover in the movie let's put that up there for a second spirit of 67 you know what we're gonna pull this record up hold on let me get spirit he, he, of he put this he put this on the uh, uh do you have the vinyl on that I'm going to pull up right now, right here. Because if you have the vinyl on it, I would love to have you play Louise. I always thought that Louise should have been a single. Mm -hmm. And it's one of my favorite bass lines I ever wrote for a Raider song, Louise. And I'm sure when you hear it, you'll, you'll, you'll decide that, yeah, that, that was a cool bass line. Right here. You don't know Louise. 
Oh, I love the little doom doom that <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, but that baseline. It's 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 such a fast uh, moving line over uh, over the chorus. You know, it just it works out so good. We almost released that as a single. Really? But, but that's always been my favorite baseline. And so when I teach bass players, when I give them lessons, uh, I will teach them that line. I'll say, you learn how to play that line because it's a very complicated line and your fingers have to keep moving real fast, you know? Oh, you know who we have in the audience right here? We have the fabulous Mitch Weissman, the original Paul McCartney from Beatlemania on Broadway. Winter Garden wow, Theater. I know Mitch. I know do, him. Do you know Mitch? I Mitch? know him. They, they played in Vegas once. You know what? I will bring Mitch on here. I'll send him a link personally, and he's a great guy. He's, he's he a wonderful guy, great bass player. And uh, he was, you know, the original, you know, he turned down tea with John Lennon. That's he right. He turned down what? He turned down a cup of tea with John Lennon. John invited him to come up to Dakota, and he was too busy. What? <laughs> That's Mitch Weisman. That's Mitch Weisman. I'll send him a link. I'll send Mitch. Okay, a link. okay, he, Mitch. We'll forgive you. You know, it's it's now. Tell me about Louise. The story about this song right here. What bass were you using on that when you recorded? Well, uh, what bass? Want me to go get it and show it to you? Do you, you, you know what? Why not? I think that'd be cool. Okay, yeah. Hold on. I think the audience would like that. Now, everybody in, in the chat, I hope you're digging this over here. While he gets that bass, this is a special one. I did, wasn't going to bring Phil on. There's a whole show that we're going to bring him on and talk to, but I figured we could chat live because you guys are great. Now, here's the famous bass. Check it out right there. <laughs> oh, that's great. Look at that. Wow. Oh, that's it's awesome. my box. My that, Vox Phantom, oh, Phantom Four. It. That was the bass that Vox gave me, and they they actually endorsed me uh, with the Vox basses, and they gave me a Phantom, and they gave me a teardrop. But I fell in love with this design, with this shape. It was mm -hmm. such an unusual shape, you know. And and the black tape looks pretty good on the back, right? It looks. Look, Xandra says show and tell with Phil. She loves it. Look at this. Look at this. Laura G is here. I'm so glad you did this, Stefan. Thank you, Laura. If you can see the hearts right there. Very uh, nice. I uh, do have to make a, a, a disclosure of honesty here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is not the original box base that I had in the Raiders. This was something that was given to me as a gift by the by Ron McNeil of the Fab Four. They asked me to come up and sing kicks with them at one of their shows here in Vegas. And after I had sung the song. Uh, he walked out on the stage with this as a gift for me. He even wow. had the fang on the back. You oh, know? so he did. He had the fang ready for you to go. He had it all ready. In fact, when I did kicks, because we had talked to each other earlier in the day, he said, can he come on stage and sing kicks with us after we do Hey Jude? Right at the end of the show. I said, sure. So I, I went on stage and I brought my two daughters and my niece, three girls for background singers. And they were fabulous. Uh, they sing and fang in the gang. My band Fang and the Gang, they're my girl singers. But anyway, uh, I, my, I can't believe Ron McNeil had already put together a slide presentation on that rear screen. He had all kinds of pictures of me and the Raiders on the back screen that, they, that were playing while I was singing Kicks. I mean, these guys really were prepared for Fang 
to join the Fab Four. That wow. was great. Well, that is great. That is great. The ba- that base. What a what a beautiful gift over there. And look at the Debbie over here, Family Fair. I love it. Look. The, well, you know the thing. the original the original Phantom Base mm-hmm. uh, is up in Seattle at the EMP Museum, the Rock and Roll Museum up in Seattle, uh, and it's on display. Um, you know, the EMP used to be dedicated to Jimi Hendrix, but I think they changed the name of the museum, didn't they? I think they're calling it like um, rock and roll, something pop or something, something something pop or they changed something. They changed. They have there's a whole section of the guitars up there. Rock Museum. But we we had a nice display there in my my phantom bass. And (laughs) I got to tell you something. Vox endorsed us. They oh, gave wow. me amplifiers. They gave me several bass guitars to try to give me an acoustic guitar. Uh, <clears throat> and so I like the Phantom. I like the Phantom bass, but I hated the neck. Did you? Did, neck, was it too short? Was it a short no, scale? It was too fat. It was too big. Oh, really? Yeah, I hated the neck on it, right? Okay. So what I did, <laughs> and this is probably the great, the grievous sin, the mortal sin of being endorsed by a company. I changed out the neck and put a Fender Precision neck on it. <laughs> really? And they never squawked at that. They never said a word. But I, but you can tell that it's my bass when you go to the EMP Museum in Seattle because it has a Vox. I mean, it's a Vox Phantom with a Fender neck. Wow. So it's a Fender P neck. It's a Precision, precision neck? Yeah, Fender P. Wow. Wow. On, on the bass. And you know, it says Fender and everything. Oh, so it says Vox. It doesn't say Vox. And, and, and you know, Vox was giving us this gear for free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody from back then. Nobody from. No Vox. one made us think over it, you know. But I now, couldn't play it. It was too hard to play because the neck was so bulky and the action was bad. So when I put that Fender neck on it, it played real nice. So and so, that's how you hear that line on Louise. So back then, would you have backup bases when you go on tour? How many? How many? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a Hoffner, a club Hoffner. This is what you bring back. Hoffner, it's the club. Okay. And that's the one I played on the Ed Sullivan show. But the bass guitar I used the most in the Raider recordings was my 1962 Fender Jazz bass. You use a 62 Fender Jazz bass for most of the recordings, right? Yeah. Now, this is a great story. Let me just slip it in. Here we go, real quick. Uh, 1965, we're at Wallach's Music City at Sunset and Vine. Sunset and Vine in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. It's a music store. They sell records. They have little booths where you can listen to the record privately. It's one of those stores. But they also sold, sold some music instruments. So here comes a girl into the store. And she sets this bass guitar on the counter, talks to the clerk, opens it. It's a Fender Jazz bass, 1962 vintage. And she says, I need to sell this guitar. I need some money. And the guy says, well, how much do you want? She says, I need 200 bucks. So he talked to the manager and he came back and said, no way, honey. I can't, I can't give you that much money. I'll give you 100 bucks. He said, no, no, I need 200. Well, I was there with Drake Levin, the guitar player for the Raiders. Me and Drake were in the Raiders then. And we had some money. We had some dough on us. And I looked at her and I said, I'll buy your bass. I got 200 bucks on me. I'll buy it right now. And she says, oh, wow, that's great. The only trouble is I need it tonight for a recording session. And I said, no problem. I got you covered. I want to use your jazz bass for my recording session tonight at Columbia Records. And because uh, I introduced myself as Fang from the Raiders and she was happy about that. I said, I'll tell you what, I have a brand new 
Vox teardrop bass in my car. I'm gonna loan. I'm gonna loan that guitar to you. I'm gonna give you two hundred dollars. You're gonna give me the Fender bass. I use your Fender for my session. You use my teardrop for your session. And tomorrow we'll get together and I'll get my bass back. <laughs> I I didn't see her again for fifty five years. No way. Fifty five freaking years. This girl was a mystery. I never got my bass back. She came to one of my gigs and she says, Phil, my name is Pat. I'm the one that sold you that bass at Wallach's Music City 55 years ago. Wow. I'm thinking, oh my God. And of course, I had to ask the golden question. Uh, Pat, whatever happened to my teardrop? <laughs> oh my God. And of course, she bowed her head in shame and she said, oh, I'm so sorry, Phil. I sold it. And I, I needed the money. And I said, okay, you're forgiven. <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know, what can I do? What can I do? The bass was free. Yeah. It didn't cost me any money. And it got her through her hard times. And just the fact that she came to one of my gigs. So I brought her on stage. Oh, you I did? Stage, I introduced her. And I said, this girl, Pat, was the girl that sold me my Fender Jazz bass that I'm playing right here tonight. She sold it to me for $200. Back in 1965, and that was worth about 25 grand. <laughs> wow! What? Right? Yeah. You, you could. You, you. Yeah. You, you, you know, know I sold. I sold my Vox bass to the EMP Museum for 15 grand. Really? Yeah. And I don't know if we should tell the details of that deal, but hey, I you, said it, so what? Whatever. You know, but but now it's there for people to see and and to yeah. enjoy, and yeah, it's still there, even though they took down the Raider display. They still have my guitar on display. They took down the rated. Why did they do that? Now? They, they took down the the Kingsman, Queensrÿch, uh, uh, the Sonics, uh, uh, Hearts. They took down all the Northwest groups. Why? Know, and the Raiders. They had a big hallway with all the Northwest acts, mm -hmm. and it, it stayed there for about ten years. And then suddenly they tore it down and put up uh, an altar. I call it an altar a rock and roll altar of praise and glory to none other than Kurt Cobain. Oh, so, so that's where it was in his section. The Kurt, Kurt Cobain section took it over. Kurt Cobain took over our hallway. You, and I'm, 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 oh. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of ticked off about that. And because, he, oh, unbelievable, I'm looking at the photo right now on my screen of the display at the EMP. Beautiful. They had, they had Paul Revere's Fox Continental Organ. They had a couple of jackets, Raider jackets, three-cornered hats, and they had my bass. And the way they hung it up on the display, they hung it up backwards so you could see the fang on the back. Oh, and, wow. And, and it looks pretty much like that, you know. Let me make that big for a second. Hold that, hold that up for one second. Look at that. That's great. Mitch Weissman, you can't make it tonight, but look at that bass. Look at you missing <laughs> out. That's a good one. That looks cool. That's I tell you, man, that's the best thing I ever did was take that nickname, Fang. Because that became my trademark, and I got a lot of fan mail, and I got a lot of covers on the teen magazines. You know, stories about Fang. You, Everybody loved that nickname. You know, and, when you, you know, talk when you talk about the teen magazine on on over here, you have well, sixteen magazine. Gloria Stavish, the editor. Yeah, Gloria Stavers. Stavers. Yeah. Okay, she wrote the whole line of notes on the back of this album. Which one? Of of the greatest hits. Really? Yes. That's you know. I don't know if you, you know. You are absolutely right, sir. That's right. 
Gloria Stavers. Oh, she gave us a lot of coverage. She put us in her magazines every month and gave us big articles and big photos. In fact, she sponsored a lot of our photo shoots. Some of the great photos we took, she paid for so that she would have enough photos to use in her magazine. And another editor was uh, Ann Moses from Tiger Beat. She was also very generous with the Raiders and putting us in a lot of stories. In fact, she gave me a couple of covers. I, I appeared on the cover of Tiger Beat maybe two or three times and on 16 Magazine four or five times. So much to Mark Lindsay's chagrin. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's great. <laughs> hey, did I say that? Did I, say that? I, didn't, I didn't hear it. It went that way. Now this album, it went over exactly there somewhere. Say? I don't know. I didn't. It, it went there. So we got this album produced by everybody. We were talking about Terry Melcher, who produced this. Okay. And Terry, big part of the band, you know, wrote songs. He big part of production with you guys as well. But but Terry's house, we were talking a little bit, bit about the Manson because Terry was hanging out. I guess it was Dennis Wilson from the Beach yeah, Boys. And Terry, Terry and Mark Lindsay lived at the uh, Cielo house where, where Sharon Tate. And Mark was the, the singer, the frontman of Paul Revere and the Raiders, of course, for the people out there that if you're just tuning in. But yeah. um, So that Terry and Mark lived at the actual house before Sharon Tate lived there. Yeah, well, the problem is Mark and, and Mark and Terry Melcher got a little spooked at this guy Charlie Manson always showing up at his front door. He wanted he wanted he wanted Terry to produce the Manson family. Ter and so Terry Terry sent a guitar player friend out there to listen to him, and he came back and said, "Man, th this guy's the devil. Don't don't do anything with him. It's it's they almost killed me. I had to run for my life. I had to actually run through the woods to escape them." Really? So, wow. Yeah. No, that was Mike DC, the guitar player. Mike DC. I don't know if he's still around, but he he told. Terry, bad news, man. Bad medicine. That don't don't touch this group. But the Terry Terry didn't let on to it. He just they Well well so when 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 Manson would come to the door, either Terry wouldn't answer or they would tell him I'm not interested in re in, in producing your group. And that pissed off Charlie Manson. So it kind of creeped out uh, Terry and Mark. So they moved out of the house and they rented the house to uh, Sharon Tate. And of course you know the rest is history. It, it, but, they rented yeah. But you know what? History can have twists and turns. And when you go see the movie by Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's all about that time period and Sharon Tate and Terry's house on Cielo Drive. And it's all about that whole scene. And you're not going to believe how cool that movie is. And he played, he used four. Or he used four songs, four, four Raider songs. songs. That's right. Four Raider songs in the soundtrack. And he also used film clips on our TV show, Happening 68. So he, he he's a real lover of Paul Revere and the Raiders, Quentin Tarantino. The, the, the songs he used was Hungry, Good Thing, Hungry, Mr. Uh, Sun, Mr. Thing, Moon. Hungry, Good Thing, uh, 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 Mr. Sun, Mr. Moon. And happening. the B, and that's right, the, the B side, the theme from It's Happening. Happening was a the theme to their TV show after where the action is. That's right. And I think I told you earlier today, that the Raiders hold a world record for more TV appearances in the decade of the 60s than any other rock band in history. We have 750 television performances in the 60s. No one can touch that. Nobody can touch that. Because we had the Where the Action Is TV series, which comprised 520 episodes. And then Mark and Paul had the uh, Happening 68 show, which were hundreds and hundreds of, of 
appearances. But we also did the major TV shows, you know, like uh, Hollywood Palace and, uh, you know, uh, Shindig and Hollywood Go-Go. And also, of course, the Ed Sullivan Show. What was that like to be on the Ed Sullivan Show? How was Ed? I got to tell you something. Ed Sullivan is such a real, down-to-earth, organic man. There is no frills. You get what you see is what you get. When when the girls were screaming in the audience, he said, he said, be quiet, be quiet, stop that screaming. He was he was scolding them, and then he cued us to do our song, and we didn't start. And he said, come on, come on, go, 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 and he actually got upset with us. And this is live TV where where Ed Sullivan's yelling at us. Well, the problem is, the vocal Mark Lindsay sang live, but the track was a TV pre-recorded track so that, so that the music would sound good and well-mixed and, and Mark sang live on Ed Sullivan. Uh, but, but you know, we were waiting for the sound man to cue the, cue the track, and he didn't. So Ed Sullivan didn't think about that, and he got upset with it and said, come on, let's go, go. After he introduced it, it, it he's very natural. He's very real, very down-to-earth, a good cat, really good, how, nice How guy. awkward, now, how awkward is, it, it is to... to because the the, the sing the singer is singing, but the band's not really playing. But you're playing. Would you mess around? Would you play the right patterns? And no, we would, we would we would play like we knew what we were doing. Yeah, yeah. But the reason we did that because him singing live made the whole thing sound live. Mm -hmm. Because you know he would have a little here and there that wasn't in the record, and sometimes his voice would crack or be growly at this point where it wasn't on the record, and so you could tell he was singing live. So it made the whole band sound like we were playing live now wow. it was a different story when we did the johnny carson show what was that like tonight show with johnny carson it was completely live all the instruments everything was mic'd we we worked with the sound crew to mic everything properly and when we did the show the mix was so dang good i mean i've never heard a live sound as good as that and uh you know we mentioned ron mcneil of the fab four the john lennon guy mm -hmm. when he saw that clip he decided he wanted to make a documentary out of the Raiders when he saw that clip on the Johnny Carson show. Wow. Wow. Because we did everything live. Even that famous guitar battle that me and Drake did, you know, everybody remember that? That's right. That's right. <laughs> on big boy Pete. And we would swing at each other's heads during the song. <laughs> uh, the music stopped. This time the place. During the song, we're doing this extensive very difficult choreography and still playing and we're swinging at each other's heads really fast so that if if any of our necks ever hit the other guy in the head it would kill him right that's how fast it was in fact the first swing that drake took at me he, he knocked my hat off that's how close it was so anyway wow. uh just <laughs> i love these stories i, I told I you this earlier but this i know funny. uh Tommy James and the Shondells were on Where the Action Is. And it just so happens that we were doing Big Boy Pete with that gun, with that guitar battle ducking our heads. And he loved it so much. Oh, yeah, we'll tell him about it. We'll that. tell this. We'll tell this, yeah. Yeah, we'll tell it in a minute. But Tommy James and his band was there. They saw the bit, and he told his band, we got to steal that. I want to do that on our show. Well, they went back to New Jersey. They had a big nightclub date. And they were there with a big full house and everything. And they did Big Boy Pete. And the first swing the guy took at the other guy, hit him in the head and knocked his toupee off. The guy was wearing a toupee. <laughs> <laughs> Not only 
only that, to make <laughs> matters worse, the toupee flew out in the air and landed on the first table in the front row on top of the candle. <laughs> and it caused a big flash fire. So the toupee caught on fire and the room filled with smoke. So everybody had to vacate the showroom. <laughs> so they finally got the smoke out and everything. The guys did their concert. And after the show with the, with the meet and greet, Tommy James went out there and one of the fans said, hey, Tommy, wow, what a great show. And I love that bit with the toupee and the fire. He says, do you guys do that every night? And he <laughs> said, uh, no, we just do that on opening night so people will start talking about the show. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I love that story? That's I love it too. And, and I'm not making this up because Tommy – Tommy James wrote that story in his book. He, he put out a book called Me, the Mob, and the Music, I think, something like that. Oh, that's uh, great. And, uh, that's a biography. But uh, just, just for insiders, if anybody wants some inside information. Well, right there, what, you, what he's holding up, everybody watching, you see I just put a link over here. I Can put a link. It? Yeah, I'm going to put the link in the comment as well. But that is the new CD out by Phil Fang. And yeah, it's actually over, you have 39 songs that spans over five decades of recording history by Phil himself here. It's a great packaging. And but on the back, let me make that big for you for the, the audience to see. Show them who that guest is on the okay, back of that this, CD. That right, uh, right here. Let's see, right, right there. If you can see, there's a hand on my shoulder. See that hand on my shoulder? Mm -hmm, yes. Well, it's this guy over here with the black hair. Standing right there. That's Tommy James with his that, arm around me. That's Tommy James' <laughs> hand right there. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is that's Tommy a great James. Piece of trivia, isn't it? That is great. Look at that. I love it. Look, Debbie's laughing over there. Now, yeah. in, in the comments over here, I just put that is Phil's website right over here by me, www.philfangvolk.com. And if that's you go it. on, if you go that's on there, you can actually order an autographed copy of there. It'll take you right there. The link is on there. And uh, Phil, tell us about this CD right there. If you guys are looking for any Christmas gifts, the packaging is awesome. I'm going to show everybody really quick. I was lucky to get one. And look at this packaging. Yeah, it's got it's got a lot of artwork. There's a there's a uh, 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 let's see a Fang caricature right there. That's right. And you do a nice and book the thing over about here. That caricature that art that drawing was given to me in the 60s by a Raider fan who just left it on the stage when we were playing and I picked it up and I said wow what a great drawing so I decided to use it I don't know who the guy is that he just put his first name on it there's my dog can you see my dog oh, the dog is beautiful let the dog come in that's fine the dog come is on. great look at Ozzy that's Ozzy everybody <laughs> check out Ozzy right there Ozzy there um, we go. <laughs> look at Ozzy's right there. That's He's a cute. good boy. So yeah. anyway, uh, I, I was so impressed with that artwork. The only problem was he uh, on the drawing, he only put Phil Fang. Do you see that? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. had to draw my last name, Vogue, in the same style that he did so it would make sense to be in my album artwork. I don't That's, know if you can see that. I could see they could see it good. Debbie says I got to get it. You know what I'm going to do for everybody over here, really quick. I want to play some music because that's what we do. 
I want to go back to the spirit of 67, but I got to share something with everybody. Since I got you guys here, we're talking about Phil's new CD. I'm going to pull it up here for you guys. And um, you got to check out first. The first track is just, it'll blow your mind. And when Phil starts playing gigs, I think this should be the opener, but listen to this really quick. I think it's not going to. This is Phil Fang Volk, the new CD rocker, Fang in the Gang. All along the watchtower, Phil's version. Very cool. Very cool. This is an honor. You know, I got to tell you, I could fanboy out. I'm getting to listen to the music with you, your music, and it's so cool because it's just great. That version is great. The, the piano, everything is great. The CD has over 39 songs. We'll probably get copyright strike, and I'll have to edit this later, but it's so good to share. It's too good to not share it out, and people oh, need to hear man, good, good music. I, I'm so grateful. I just want the world to know about this project. Because you know, it's probably it's probably the best music I've ever put together on one CD. It's like a five-decade anthology, stuff that I never had a chance to release. You know, re masters that we recorded that just sat in my in my vault. Really, I never got them out. Now they're out on this CD, Rocker, and like like we said, it's available on my website, philfangvoke.com, and, and all the if people just want to buy the streaming. They can go on Spotify or iTunes or CD Baby or any of those other Napsters or whatever they call it. Uh, I think an autograph is good. Let's go. Let's check out this song right here, Allison, right here. That's more of a ballad. We're going to go through the CD. Okay, look at. Uh, do me a favor. Can you get to side one real easy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could, we could get it. This... Play a little snippet of "Best Friends Ever." Okay, let's get over here to side one. Okay, side one, "Best Friends Ever," and make sure you listen to the very beginning of the intro. Okay, let's see. If we could find it on here. Hold on, hold on, it's, right it's, here. It's the third cut. Got it right here. What? 
look in your eyes, all I see is love. When I see you smile, my heart flies like a dove. Finding someone like you, I feel alive and blue. Summer love is a blues, I'm safe and warm with you. Make me your full-time lover, I'll be your best friend. You'll be the one I dream of, and we never end. We're the best friends, the best friends ever. Okay. That's good. Nice. Uh, you know, there's a phrase, we're best, the BBF, what they call it, BFF. Yeah, 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 yeah. Friends forever. Well, I thought, you know, why not write a song with that same kind of context? So this is called The Best Friends Ever. I think it has a really nice groove. It's one of my new originals. Uh, but there's so many different, uh, there's so much variety on this. You got a lot. Let, 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 what's, what are your favorite tracks on this record? Well, I like that one you just played. I like All, all Along the Watchtower. I, I love all the songs that my wife sings, Tina. In yeah. fact, you might you might want to give a little snippet of Will You Love Me Tomorrow, which is a classic rock tune from the 60s written by Carol King. That's Will You it. Love Me Tomorrow? It's track number uh, 18. Let me go over here and let's find this. Will You Love Me Tomorrow? Right here. Let's check it out. Beautiful song. Let's hear Tina's version now. And Phil. We kind of rocked it up a little bit. I like your bass tone. Oh, her voice is beautiful. That's Tina right there. We can yeah, play whatever we want. You know what? I'll make the rules here. We'll play. We're having a good time. I, uh, I, right. I, that was an, uh, that was a band I had in the eighties called the Phil Volk and Tina Mason band, and we toured all through Canada and the Northwest for over a year and a half. Oh, it's beautiful. We had a great time, and uh, that's when we recorded this. That's when we recorded "We Love Me Tomorrow." We recorded that in Portland, Oregon. Oh, you did at, at Marty McRae's studio in Portland, uh, in his basement. And we were so, in fact, we also recorded 100 Ways there too, which is on side one. But, you know, 
when the Raiders went on the road, we would these oftentimes are, bring. These oh, are great pictures. That? Look at this. That's that's a picture of and Tina Disneyland right there. Yeah, the that's, is that me? That's me, Tina, and my sister Jeannie at Disneyland. We had a we had a group there that played there for seven years called the Friendship Train, the wow. Friendship Train, and uh, we played there and Disney World for seven years. What a great gig that was. We even got insurance. Wow. Here's a great picture of Tina right here. Oh, what a gorgeous woman. Gorgeous woman. I gotta yeah. tell you, man, my heart is so broken that she's not with me anymore. You yeah, know, we had 54 years of great love and romance and a great relationship. We raised four children. You, you know, know what? You, you, you know so what? It's, it's, it was a great partner. I feel very blessed. That God blessed me with such a wonderful partner in life. You know? Beautiful, beautiful. Here's a here's a photograph of 1981 with you with Bill Medley from the Righteous Brothers right there. Yeah, we played at his club Medley's every Sunday night back in 1980 and 81. And he said, he said, we pack this place out more consistently than any other group he has in there. And it was Sunday night, and yet we packed it out. It was a great place to play. Oh, and I believe. Uh, I have a live cut from Medley's in the CD. You I do. Lucille, yes, you do. I think yes, you Lucille, do. Lucille. I think Lucille is, was recorded live at Medley's, right? Uh, it, it was, yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me see. It's right Lucille. here. Let's check it out. Let me see. Because I put notes here. Yeah, recorded, yeah recorded live at Bill Medley's studio. I mean, Bill Medley's nightclub. The horns. Yeah, sax. Great live recording. We couldn't have got a better live recording. This is a great version. Live. No overdubbing. Straight. That's what it sounded. You don't do way it sounded back, back in 1980 when we recorded it. Now this is cool. No overdubbing, just rock and roll, raw, all rock That's and roll, the and way from the, the heart. Sounded at medleys just like that. I used to love Little Richard. Little Richard, you know, was my he was my hero. I have a funny story. I. I have to drop. So when I first moved to Hollywood, Wilcox and Hollywood Boulevard, there's a place playmates and there's a post office on Wilcox by Hollywood. Okay. And little Richard comes out of this car with a posse of guys. Now this is, uh, I'm talking nine, 1994. Yeah. Comes out and he ha he's handing out small little, maybe about like, you know, something like this size. And it's a uh, Bible's. With his picture inside. Oh. And a stamped with his autograph already in there. Yeah, he was a pastor. He did get into religion. And and he was handing them out. And he handed me one. And I don't know where it somebody's probably took it. Somebody stole the Bible from me. They stole the they stole the little Richard Bible from me, but he was handing it out. And oh, I wish wow, I stole it. How well, cool. I do that. I do that too. 
Right. I pass I pass out Bibles and I study the Bible with people. I'm a Bible teacher. You, you, we, ha we have we have a pastor here cooking with the kid, Jeff Kidd. He's one of our guys. He's in here watching right now. That's really? right. He, yeah, right here. There he is. Thank you, Phil, for sharing such great memories with us. Great job, Stefan, cooking with the kid. That's wow. right. Tell him, tell him hi for me. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So, cooking with the kid. I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing better than spreading God's word and making helping people find the road that leads to life. You know, you know people. All this music is great. But the most important thing in life is to have a good relationship with God and his son, Jesus, you know, there you go. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave it there. I don't want to. No, it, no it's, 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 it's good to have. And I think people need to have just more of that in their heart. And uh, you know what? There's too much craziness out there. And uh, it's so easy to, to be negative and hate. When look at the good time we're having and look at the oh, good yeah. music, look at the good music you have. Now this interview, I got to thank mitch weisman because of mitch he introduced me to charles rosney and charles introduced me to you we didn't know each other before this and i know my hat's off to charles rosney he's done a lot of good things for me and before this interview i remember you going oh you you better do your homework but but we had earlier great interview there's so many stories i mean oh wait one... a second wait don't go anywhere i'm not going nowhere don't i'm not go going anywhere. nowhere everybody i hope you guys don't having a great anywhere. time in here um Actually, let's see. Oh, I'm here. I'm back. I'm back. All right. You're All not right. going to believe this. Charles Rosenay, our yeah. friend, your friend and my yeah. friend. Yeah. And he produces different kinds of shows and autograph festivals for rock stars. I went to one of his autograph festivals back 10 years ago in, uh, in New Jersey, you know. Uh, and he asked me, he said, Phil, would you do me a favor? Would you write down your top 10 favorite horror movies? And I said, Charles, I'm, I'm not really a big horror movie buff. He says, well, just write them down and tell me why uh, you liked them or hated them or what, why it scared you. Yeah. So guess what? Oh, you got the book. You have his book right there. Are you, your book. Can you see that? I do the see book it. Yeah. Top 10 horror list. That's right. And guess what? He printed everything I wrote. And you'll never believe. I'm going to see if the if, if anyone can guess this. Uh, let's see. Where's my little section? Here it is. Okay, Phil Fangvoke. Number one. What do you think my number one horror movie was? Your number one horror. Yeah, right there. My number one. I don't know if you can see it. Let me see this. The did you say the Wizard of Oz on top? The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> 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 and I'll tell you why, because I, my brother took me to a theater when I was four years old and it scared the crap out of me. All those flying monkeys and that witch with her broom and riding a bicycle in the sky. It was really scary. So I put, I put Wizard of Oz as number one and I explained it. And then I go on to talk about other horror movies that were, you know, well, the Wizard of Oz. Okay. We're gonna go back to rock and roll, but the Wizard of Oz was. There's a lot of creepy things. Supposedly, if you if you watch it now, now the rumor. I don't know if you ever did this. If you took Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon album, it's supposed to sync up with Wizard of Oz. Have you heard about that? No. Yes. If if you if you play it right, it it will sync up the album. 
Dark side It'll of the moon. It'll play as a soundtrack. I, I believe so. I've never done it, but everybody says it syncs up, and you'll see with the house, the music goes with wow. it. Wow. It pretty, it's pretty trippy. You know, you know uh, Wizard of Oz was such a monumental, uh, iconic movie. And, you know, unfortunately, I was only four when I first saw it, so I was really scared. I kept diving down into the theater floor underneath my seat. And my brother kept pulling. I said, Phil, get back on your seat. I mean, when you think of the movie itself, was uh, it was a pretty trippy movie. Now, I'm a big Hollywood buff guy, and I like I like old-time Hollywood stories. But it was a very tra- – the people in there, it was, very tra- it was a tra- – there was a supposedly somebody maybe hanging. You ever heard the story about somebody hanging that you could see a shadow? There's Where? always – in The Wizard of Oz on the Yellow Brick Road, you could see in the foreground shadow over there really so, supposedly somebody is hanging i don't know if this is true or not but i do know in real life auntie m she killed herself auntie m and how she did it was this is this is she it was she suffocated herself with a pillowcase she got all dressed up and she killed herself this is a, that's a true story who's telling you this stuff i read that i read that in a book is that yeah, crazy? You can't you can't believe everything you read. This, <laughs> Auntie Anne, I mean, there's so much. There was a movie I just watched with Judy Garland, and God, she was so talented. I, would, you know, I, I, I think I've watched that movie over a hundred times in my life. Yeah, yeah. Because it was so iconic, and they always played it over Thanksgiving holiday. So we always watched it. What a great movie. What what a great song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Oh, and and just beautiful. the whole thing. The whole thing, you know, I mean. What is the bottom line? There's no place like home. There's no There's place, no like, place home. like home. So that was that was your Thanksgiving. See, on the East Coast, you know what we used to watch? What? March of the Wooden Soldiers, Laurel and Hardy. Oh, yes. Uh, and I have a I have a family connection to that. You do? Yeah, I think uh, one of my my brothers and my sisters were extras in that movie, or my grandmother. One of I have some family in that movie. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, we just got the hanging rumor turned out not to be true. Okay. So the hanging rumor is not true, but I know Auntie M. That is true about her. Um, yeah. We, we, we don't want to think that about no. Auntie M because she was such a good woman. It was, it was, you know, there was a Judy Garland. She was talented, such a great talent. And she, you know, oh, fantastic. Uh, she, unfortunately, she, she abused herself. With, she abused herself with drugs and alcohol. She did, and she aged herself because she really was young when she passed oh, away. It's, it's it, awful. It was it, it was awful. Right here, Judy Garland had a rough life, but Renee Zeltweger she did she played a great. She, she did, did a, a nice job. Yeah, she did she a did great a job. job portraying her, uh, almost as good as Rami Malek portraying Freddie Mercury in Queen. I know. Or I, oh, I would think the movie was called Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, yes, he was fantastic. But originally. Sasha Cohen, Baron, whatever his name is, that actor was supposed to play Freddie Mercury. But really, was, yes, and it was too dark. And I think they just, you know, you know I, I thought Rami Malik was perfectly cast. Yeah, and he won the Oscar. Yeah, for best actor. So you can't argue with the Oscars. You can't argue with uh, no, you can't. Okay, now let's go back to some good rock and roll. Okay, How, why don't we play? Down in the boondocks. You know, let's go for God, you have so many great songs here. Now, these songs, how long did you have them in the archives, all these songs? Some of these songs go back to the 60s. 
Really? Yeah, like Family Tree mm -hmm. and Colorful Day. And if you read the liner notes, there's special backstories on each one of these songs. Why we did it, why we wrote it, how we recorded it. So the liner notes are real extensive, and I think people appreciate that the, the CD comes with two booklets. Or Where are we? Here we go. Two booklets. There you go. Wow. Okay. With liner notes for every song and credits for all the musicians that played on these on these records. You have a great, you know what I like about this this set right here? Right here, Fame Through the Ages. And it's such, it's so beautiful the way you did this. <laughs> uh, I guess, it, I don't know. I hope you don't think it's egotistical. I don't, th I think it's great. And you know what? Hold on, let me get in here. Uh, I'll pass to Jeff. His wife is named Allison, so he loves that song, just to let you know. Okay. Oh, good, good. So well, let's get it on the radio. Let's get a, let me let's go this. It's so many. Because my eyes are bad. I'm going to go down the list. We did all along the Watchtower really quick. We got Blue Le Revolution right here really yeah, quick. don't play that. Okay. Don't play oh, that. I should tell you that Drake and I are the ones that recorded that together in Drake's studio in San Francisco. Drake Levin of the Raiders. That's right. That's yeah. where we cut the basic track. And then I, I sweetened it a bit uh, here at home in my studio. Okay. But, uh, and I added my girls as background vocals, Jesse and Kelly. You did Winter Shade of Pale. Oh, now that. That is one of my all-time favorite ballads, Whiter Shade of Pale. You did, I don't know if you want to play any of that, but I get a lot of compliments on that version, you know. Sounds so cool. Turn cottonwoods across the floor. I was feeling kind of seasick. The crowd called out for more. The room was humming harder. As the ceiling blew away When we called out for another drink You know, you know who your, your tone reminds me of? Who? Van Morrison a, a, I, I, Yeah, I, I've gotten that I do have a little bit of that texture When I sing And you'll hear it more in Family Tree Family Tree has a lot of Van Morrison, Eric Burden type of thing Uh but I tell you, man, that I played most of the instruments on Wider Shade of Pale. John Schilling played lead guitar, and my girl sang background vocals. But we recorded it right here in my house, and I brought a drummer and a drummer friend of mine, Max Hall, and he added all those great drum licks. You know? Wow, it, so it sounds so good. So I can good. play time on the drums, but I don't have all those great licks that he has. And um, But, you know, we used to take a guy on the road with us named uh, Billy Joe Royal, and he was one of our opening acts, and his big hit was "Down in the Boondocks," and I've 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 messed around with that song for years and years, and I finally decided I think I want to turn this song into a reggae tune. So if you play a little bit of "Down in the Boondocks," which okay. is number, uh, uh, let's see, number nine is it? Yeah, number nine, "Down in the Boondocks." 
Got right here. Yeah, got it right here. Let's hear the guitar. Come on with the keyboard now. Down in the boondocks, down in the boondocks, people put me down, but that's the side of town I was born in. You recognize it? I love her. Oh, yeah. She loves me, but I don't fit for society. Lord, have mercy on the poor from down in the boondocks. Need a pina colada now. <laughs> yeah, or a margarita. <laughs> yeah. Every night I watch a light on the where did you record this i recorded it right here at my house this song as well great yeah let's see it's in the liner notes uh down in the boondocks number nine uh yep recorded in phil's home studio right here in las vegas nevada that, that's great 2019 those are my two daughters. Uh, That's them singing? singing. They were in my band, Fang and the Gang. Um, yeah. I don't know if I have a picture of the band, but... Um, you you do. I think you do right here. Hold on. Do I have a picture? Fang and the Gang? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, do. I, yeah, you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there it is. That's right. You know what? There if everybody's is. watching this, you guys got to get this set. It's a beautiful set. A bunch of great songs. A lot of heart and soul into this. Um, Steve over there, he's uh, one of my top 10 songs over there. Look at it. Debbie over here. Wow. Cooking with the kid. Nice. The link. Oh, you, so you have people texting you during the they're, show? They're, they're writing right here. They're writing over here. Oh, right wow. here. Look, How I popped cool it up, that? Debbie. There's Debbie. Everybody gives. I would, gives like, to, I would like to get someone's opinion on a song on disc number two. Mm -hmm. We did four Bob Dylan songs on this project. You know, all along the Watchtower, Times They Are Changing, uh, Not Dark Yet, which is one of my favorites, and a one sung by a girl called Just Like a Woman. Great song. And I was wondering if you could play a little bit of Just Like a Woman. It's track number four on disc number two. It's the first time that song's ever been recorded by a woman. That's and right. it really feels good. This is a girl that I was producing. Her name is Kelly J. We were trying to get her... Uh, a deal back in 2008, a record deal. And we went into the studio and her dad funded the project and we really got some great recordings on her. And I couldn't stand leaving those songs in my archives. So I had to bring them out and put them on this disc. Now you but see over here, look, look check, see what, check out just like a woman. You see what Debbie says? What? Right in the comments. Can you see on the screen right there? What's it say? She loves you, you, your version. Shade of pale. I love it. Oh. Look, she loves it. Look at that. Well, just tell her to go on my website and get it. <laughs> All right, let's put on. You know what? You guys want to hear the next one? Let's hear it just like a woman right just here. Just like a woman with Kelly J. Kelly J. That's right, coming up. Seeing all my ribbons 
Here comes the chorus. Beautiful. Yes, it's true when I ache just like a woman. Yes, I do when I make love yeah. just like a woman. But I break just like a little girl. I can't get it. Queen Mary, she's my good friend. Okay. Now, how did you? Now, how did you meet Kelly? She's what a beautiful voice. What's her story? Well, I, I knew I knew a sound man, a guy who did a lot of uh, mixing for bands when they played live concerts, and he did some work with me, and uh, he knew Kelly J because he works. He worked with her in some concerts in Colorado. That's where she's from, mm -hmm. Colorado. And she's a country singer, but she was doing kind of the old classic country. And I said, why don't we make you more rock oriented? Let's do a few tunes that have more of a rock edge. We even did Faithfully by Journey, which is on the CD. And we did that song, uh, I'm Almost Ready by Vince Gill. Yeah. Prairie League. So we really got her rocking and she really came to life. And her whole, her whole vocal thing, became a lot more edgy, a lot more rock oriented. And you can tell by this song let's, that she's let's, a great singer. Oh, great. Let's check out Faithfully by Kelly and, you, and the gang. Faithfully, the country version. Yeah. Highway run into the midnight sun. <laughs> great. Restless hearts sleep alone tonight, sending all my love along the wire. They say that the road ain't no place to start a family. Like that violin? I love it. Little Doug Kershaw. Loving a music girl ain't always what it's supposed to be. Little Cajun violin. Oh, boy. Stand by me. Here we go. I'm forever yours. Faithfully. We had the number one steel guitar player on this. I, I mean, his name is Harvey Sharp. Man, could that guy play. Whose idea was to do the arrangement of this, the country style? Oh, this is my arrangement. I, that was your arrangement, your idea. Yeah, I, I went to Colorado to meet with her parents, and I told her my vision, my dream of how I would like to produce her, and I would like to change her image and get her more of uh, pop country, and not so, not, not so much as the old old fashioned country. There she and that, is. Right that's there. her right there. She's a beautiful, beautiful girl with a great voice. I'm just so disappointed that we couldn't get anything going for her but maybe who knows maybe this it's, cd maybe this scene might cd might uh, get her some notice you know she has a beautiful voice a, a great talent uh and yes. two of her songs i i produce films on videos uh that are on youtube right now One's look right here Star. check out right here look at this deb smith just bought the cd she loves oh, it thank, thank you deb you. thank you very much deb 
Very nice. Very yeah. nice. Very sweet. I Thank appreciate you. it. And uh, Kelly J's song, Faithfully and I'm Almost Ready, are both video films on YouTube. Complete wow. versions with a, a with you know a, a, a designed and scripted video with great editing. You, you can't believe it. It's fantastic. That that's that's great. Oh, Uncle Jeff's in the crowd. What's Uncle Jeff saying right here? If you want to watch something tonight, this is the show, Adika Wax Live, the best show on YouTube. Listen, Phil, did you ever bump into Gary Puckett? I, I'm married. Oh over. yeah, we. I'm, I'm he's married here. over for fifty years. Great show. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he we we played some concerts with Gary. He uh, it was used to be called Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. That's right. Remember. That's right. And so we we used them as one of our opening acts for a couple of shows. And then when I left the Raiders uh, and we formed Brotherhood with me, Drake, and Smitty. Great band. We did, a, we did a concert way over in Birmingham, Alabama, and Gary Puckett was the headliner, and the Brotherhood was the opening act. That is funny. That <laughs> is funny from- how, you know, things, things flip-flop a little bit. We're gonna talk. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the Brotherhood. I want to first talk about this CD because this is great. Uh, Oh, Mitch Weissman, uh, Gary is great talent and a nice guy. I mean, these stories, that music, and Gary. Yeah, Gary has a great voice. I mean, this the music that Phil that we're talking about here, the history. You guys watching, if you like this, what you you're hearing here, subscribe, hit that button. Check out great music. See that link? I have the ticker going down there. Nice, That's, yeah. That is the site to buy some good rock and roll. Great variety. You got some rock and roll. You got some country on here. You got a mixture of everything. And the songs have been hidden in the vault. Phil had I've them been hiding them. I've been holding on to them. I didn't have a project where I could release them. Finally, this project came along. Wait. That's, there he is. Look at you there's, over there. There's the Fang Man right there. That's right. Look at you, Phil. That's CD one. That, that was me. This picture, the black and white, is me uh, back in the '60s with Brotherhood, and this is my current look right now. So That's great. Me. You look like a game show host, Phil. Oh look yeah. You. You look. You got, what's the secret? What is the secret? How good you? How? Don't forget to have your pet spayed or neutered. <laughs> Debbie says, "You know, I'm buying it, Phil. Right there, Debbie's buying it. See, thank you, Debbie." That's it. This is this is great stuff. Let's listen. Give us another uh, a good one to listen to. Well, well, I should probably give you one of my originals, uh, and that would be "Summer Somewhere." Just on, hope I'm- on on side on uh, disc number one. Okay, on disc one. All right. Uh, and I have to tell you straight up, this is one of my favorite songs that I've ever wrote, and it's a very meaningful, nostalgic song about people we've known in the mm-hmm. past. How are they doing now? Let's listen to it. Summer somewhere. It's just me and the piano. That's me playing the piano. Beautiful. All the places I used to know. Wow. As a young boy chasing time, all the people I knew so well 
Now there are raindrops in my eyes. I find myself always wondering, wondering how, how are my friends, my friends of long ago. Listen, listen. In this life with all its sad and sweet occasions. Beautiful. Summer somewhere. Has a Leon Russell vibe over here. It's really I love it. Thank you so much. That song really moves me. And of course, it reminds me a lot of Tina. It talks about her golden hair. Summer somewhere, her golden hair slumbers gently on my mind. So now, Tina's a memory. Hmm. She had blonde hair and her golden hair. And we had so many great summers together in our 54 years of marriage. Beautiful. So I think about it. That's one of my favorite tunes on the CD. Uh, I, I love. I gotta tell you, cooking with the kid. I just bought an autographed copy. My brother, right there, he posted. Oh, and Debbie, you. Debbie Muller, I just bought it. Thanks, Phil. Oh, thank you. you How know, nice. Thank you guys for actually going on and buying that for Phil. And these songs are great. And this is a beautiful song. Well, I I really appreciate you uh, promoting this for me and helping me out. That's I couldn't ask for uh, a better cat to, to to promote it you're you're very uh glib you're very uh well spoken you know the music you're a musician yourself i'm a musician don't get crazy now the well-spoken part trust me <laughs> but oh, man, you're, you're really, you, you really do good on this on this uh you know interview stuff you know like uh, uh Look, like you, got, you got a little bit of Johnny Carson and Dick Cavett and uh, Steve Allen mixed in there. You know what? That's a big compliment. Look what Laura G just said. I love this song. Ah, raindrops in my eyes. Laura yeah, G. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very nostalgic song, and I wrote it when I was very young. And even though it should be a song sung by an older person, I wrote it in the early '70s when I was in my early 20s. Wow. And yet somehow I had a vision what it would be like to live a life and then think back on all the friends you knew through life and wondering where they were and how they are and if they ever think about you. That's wow. The, that's the premise of the tune. Great song. Great song. These are great stories that you have. And you know what? I thank you. As much as you think, and, and the compliments you just gave me, thank you. But you know what? You need to be in the Hall of Fame. This is crazy. Now, everybody watching here, uh, here's a fact. Tom Petty went and covered your guys' songs. Like, he, he went on stage and dedicated. Now, you got a fan of Tom Petty loving your music, and right. I don't understand why. It's crazy. You know, you guys when, when Paul Revere died, uh, Tom Petty played a, a Raiders song uh, as a tribute. And also, when Paul Revere died, Paul Schaefer on the David Letterman show played the very first piano instrumental hit that Paul Revere had way back in the early 60s it mm -hmm. was called like long hair and that's so right he played that on the letterman show it was a piano instrumental that's how paul started 
as an instrumentalist. These were instrumentals, not vocals, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, now for everybody watching, these are stories that we are going to be talking about on our interview because we talk about a couple of things because before Paul Revere and the Raiders were a band that you know, Hungry Kicks, they were an instrumental band before. And right. originally, Phil is from Burbank, but then he moved down to California. Everybody goes to California to find the band. You left California to find your band. Pretty funny. I right? went to all places, Idaho, <laughs> to the farmlands of Idaho, and that's where I met the person that probably had the biggest influence on my musical life, Paul Revere. It, 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 it's so crazy. Now, you know, I saw a great episode because Dick Clark was doing later years of, of the, sh you know, of his show. And it's a scene where you guys are at a table. Oh, yeah. And what are you guys doing now? And it was so cool. And I believe it was your, it was Tina that was pregnant, maybe. Yeah, in Tina that. was pregnant with our third child, uh, Brian. Uh, and uh, uh, Dick Clark is interviewing all the guys uh, on, on the table, which is all the original Raiders. It was our, it was like a, uh, a 10 year reunion we hadn't been together in 10 or 12 years. And so Dick Clark got us together and we performed on the show, but in the interview, he gets to me and he's, and he says, Phil, you've been the continuing musician through all use these years. You continue to play and have bands, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, thank you very much, but I have a very important announcement and I might as well announce it on uh, national TV. The third one, is on the way and you did you announced it on and, and yeah, I, yeah. that show was called the good old days the good old days and we were the headliners and when i said the third was on the way the camera did a quick shot of tina she's sitting on the side and she yeah, waves on another table that's right uh, dick clark was interviewing the raiders at his table and and she waved and smiled and such a beautiful woman uh, i'm i was so blessed to have her as a partner I can't tell you how much I miss her. It's hard it's, to put in words. It's hard to put. You, that was a great clip. I just watched and I was like, oh, that that was so cool because you had like a secret. Well, you know, and then she waves over there and then you guys are dressed in normal clothes and then you switch. You, you set the table and it switches into yeah. your Paul Revere and Raiders outfit and you get yeah. off stage and play. <laughs> and Which, Dick Clark says after they, they shoot back, we're in normal clothes and then they come back to the table. Uh, we're in our Raider clothes. They stopped the cameras for a minute. We got in our Raider clothes, sat at the table, and Dick Clark says, "Well, it's nice to see you. You, you guys have have have, have aged so gracefully." <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, Dick Clark as a as a, a gentleman, because back then when you'd meet a guy like Dick Clark, you feel like you know you're like the kids and he's the adult. What was it like? What, what type of person was he like? He was a wonderful man, but he was all business. He was all business. He was he, he was so good to work with. He was very dedicated to the shows that he worked on. He loved the Raiders. In fact, he and Paul Revere became partners in several investments along the oh, way. They, wow. even bought a, they even bought a theater in Branson, Missouri together. And they bought a nightclub in Reno, Nevada. And, and that, they were partners in a lot of things. And and I tell you, when, when Dick Clark passed away, Paul Revere was heartbroken. Mm. It really hurt him because he and Dick were so close. Wow. 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 I mean, Dick Clark, he was the, the one person. He never would age. Always looked like a teenager. Right. All the time. American Bandstand was a big thing in my house. This was a big thing watch growing up watching it. And uh, it was just great. And then for the people watching, so on the show, where did you meet Tina? Let's tell people how you met your wife. Well, for the first year of Where the Action Is, Linda Scott was the cast member as the girl singer. 
remember Linda Scott had the song, I told every little star just how great I think you are. Why haven't I told you? That was Linda Scott. But she got lonely for New York. She was from New York and she didn't like California that much. And we became very close, but she, she left the show. And Dick Clark held a action girl contest and got down to six finalists. And Tina Mason, my wife, was one of the finalists. And she got picked and selected as the new action girl. And when I saw the, the, the first song that she recorded, I had been on the road when they recorded Tina Mason doing Where the Action. I wasn't on the set that day. So I came home from the tour, turned on the uh, TV, and Dick Clark is saying, and now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to the new action girl. Here she is, Tina Mason. And wow, I saw her on TV first with her beautiful legs, her beautiful twinkly eyes, beautiful smile, that blonde hair and that great figure and her great voice. And I was totally, totally smitten by her. I was already in love with her before I even met her in person, just That's seeing funny. her on television. So when I did meet her, I had the butterflies and I was nervous because she moved me so much. She was so attractive, so sexy, uh, such a beautiful woman, a lot of mystique that, you know, we, we immediately felt, and I, I know I did, but she eventually told me that she liked me too when we first met. But we kept our relationship kind of very slow. It didn't move real fast. And then finally on the last tour that we took her as an opening act back in the spring of 67, we finally... We finally got together the right way. The right way. Wow. Wow. Now and we never we never left these, each other's arms since then. Wow. Know? Beautiful. Beautiful story. She's a now, fantastic was, singer. A great. Was she was she signed to Capitol at that time? What, what? Yes. Yes. And she, that, that's when she released her. Uh, uh, when we got married, she released her first album called. Uh, where is it? Uh, Tina Mason is something wonderful. Where is it? Here it is. That's right, right there. Let's hold that up for the audience to see something wonderful. Can you see that? Yeah. Uh huh. I just made that big. Let's see if we can yeah, play Tina some music. Mason is something wonderful, and they actually reissued this on uh, CD, and they 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 uh, put more photos in. They wrote the story about me and Tina and our marriage and getting together on where the action is. And it was, uh, it's now not only on vinyl, but it's also on CD. Now the number one song on Spotify, the popular track is this track called you can have, you can have him. That's the popular. Track. Really? Yeah. Right there. Number one. Let's listen to this. You can't have him. I don't want him. Tina Mason. You can have him. Oh, 
So cool. What a voice. What a voice. Oh, man. She she is so talented vocally. She could do anything. She could sing soul. She could sing pop. She could sing country. She she just had it all. Uh, great voice, and it's a great album. Although it's kind of a jazzy album, it wasn't really much of a rock album. That's probably one of the th one of the tracks that's as close to rock as possible is that one. Oh, one just played. But, I mean, on, but on this, but on my CD, you're going to hear her sing a few solos that are fantastic like uh you're gonna get what's coming by bonnie Raitt. oh she does a bonnie Raitt song let's see yeah, if we can pull this get what's coming it's on it's on a cd number two this number two number nine you're gonna get what's coming it's a rocker it's a kick-ass rocker let's see if this we can way pull you can compare it to what you just played on her album and it's disc number two. Disc number two, uh, track number nine. Right You're here. You're going to get what's coming. Very cool. Wait for the chorus. Yeah, here we go. Thanks. Awesome. Cool or what? Very cool. Your bass sounds great. It's driving. I mean, oh, this is it's really uh, I, great. You're a bass player, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so that's so the first I'm listening to. Yeah, you're it's you're just driving it. It's a it's great. I Maybe mean, that's why we're getting along so. Well. I think that's why. I mean, even right now, we're only supposed to be on for thirty minutes, and we went on for now. Like, it feels like only ten minutes. Well, now it's I got almost, it's going on ninety minutes right now. I, right, we're going crazy. Look, somebody's asking right now, really quick. Robert's asking about uh, Phil. Can you talk about your time playing with Rick Nelson and the Stone Canyon Band? Oh my that's, God, that's another chapter. That's a whole life. another chapter we got to talk about. We okay, don't. Let me gonna, briefly just briefly. Maybe we can talk about it on one of your other shows. But we'll I'll we're going to do more. Comment about it. Yes. Because some very monumental things happened. Uh, is that the Brotherhood wasn't wasn't making it? We didn't have any hit records, and we we were starting to fold. And. We we did the albums that RCA Victor wanted, but they didn't they didn't become hit records. I, I have to tell you though that the Brotherhood albums have become very important collectible albums to audiophiles. 
one of them sold for six figures, you know? Wow. I mean, yeah, 600 bucks. That's three figures. (laughs) 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 Sorry, little faux pas there. But no, they're collectibles because there's so few of them out there. They didn't print that many, but uh, music uh, aficionados have discovered this music and have spread the world. So anyone collecting records of artists from the 60s, Brotherhood is high on the list. Okay, that being said, uh, the Brotherhood was folding, and our manager of Brotherhood was a guy named Don Nelson. Does that give you a clue? He was Ricky Nelson's uncle. And my mom used to be the massage therapist for Harriet Nelson, Ricky's mom. So we had a connection to the Nelson clan yeah. over the years. Okay. So uh, when the Brotherhood did an album release party, we invited Rick to come. So he came with his wife, Chris Harmon, and he sat there in the front table and we played about four or five tunes and I'm singing all the leads and I'm playing bass guitar, you know, pretty cool, difficult, uh, busy lines and all kinds of stuff while I'm singing. So after the show, I walk up to Ricky and, and Ricky says, man, how do you do it, Phil? Playing all those complicated bass lines and singing lead at the same time. I mean, you're amazing. I'm really impressed. And so he was really giving me a lot of compliments, right? Well, guess what? He had the group called the Stone Canyon Band, and he was losing his bass player, who just happened to be Randy Meisner, who was one of the founding members of the Eagles. Remember Randy? Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay, I don't have your photo on my screen anymore. Oh, because I'm letting you do the talking. I'm I'm giving you the spotlight. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, yes. That's very kind. So anyway... I knew that I knew that Ricky liked my bass playing and uh, we were friends, family friends uh, over the years because of my mom Mm -hmm. and Don Nelson being my our manager, being Rick's uncle. So we had we had an affinity for each other. And when Randy Meisner left uh, Ricky Nelson's band, immediately Don Nelson says, listen, Ricky wants to hire you as a bass player. Would you would you want to do that? I said, sure. The Brotherhood broke up. I got nothing to do. He said, well, he's going on tour in two weeks. He wants to. He wants you to come to his rehearsal and rehearse the songs and then go on tour with him. So I said, fabulous. So I knew all his songs. I knew all the background vocals. When I went to his rehearsal, he looked at me and said, well, Phil, what do you want to do? I said, Rick, call it. I can play all your songs. He said, really? Yeah. So he called out the tunes. I played them. Perfect. Sang the background vocals. And he said, wow, man. I can't believe you know all my tunes like that. And then he said, well, I guess it's true that every man can be replaced. <laughs> I guess he was referring to Randy Meisner because I replaced him. Yeah. Anyway, wow. To make a long story short, we did a tour on the East Coast. And we had, we had the thrill and the pleasure and the honor of doing the Johnny Cash show, which was filmed and taped in the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee, which is the Grand Ole Opry. Wow. We actually performed there and did his show there and, you know, got close to uh, Johnny Cash and June Carter. And, you know, uh, Chris Christopherson was one of the guests that night. Which you do and, one of his songs on your news TV. Wow. And this was one of the stories I was going to tell you and it just popped into my head. Well, tell me this now. You gotta, uh, let me gotta... tell you a quick story and then we can sign off. Yeah, that's all, this yeah, is yeah. amazing. This yeah. is amazing. Chris Christopherson, unknown, and he had a broken hand. He, has, he had his picking hand in a cast. 
because I guess he was kind of a bar brawler. He was a little bit of a tough guy, uh, but he had broken his wrist, but he still could pick guitar, right? So uh, he's in the show, Doug Kershaw, June Carter, the Carter sisters, Chet Atkins, it was, and, and the Stone Canyon Band, Rick Nelson. Wow. So anyway, we're getting ready to uh, tape the show, and I'm sitting in the dressing room up on the counter by myself. I had my bass. I was just kind of warming up my fingers. And across in the hallway, my door was open. I kept seeing Chris Christopherson walking up the hallway, then walking back past my door. And he was playing guitar. He had his head up in the air, and he was singing. Finally, he, about 20 minutes of this walking back and forth, he stops at my door, and he says, do you mind if I come in? And I said, no, come on in. So he walks up to me and says, hi, my name is Chris Christopherson. He holds out his left hand because the other one was in a cast. And he holds out his left I shake hand. I, I said, I'm Phil Fang Volk. I used to be in the Raiders, but now I'm playing with Ricky Nelson. He says, oh, man, nice to meet you. He says, would you do me a favor? I got to play this song. I've been working on it. And I'm hoping that, that they'll let me sing this as a duet with, with Johnny Cash. I've asked them, but I, I just want to make sure I, I got it right. It's a new one of my new songs. And so he leaned in real close to my ear, and he sang real soft. And here's what he sang. Busted flat in Baton Rouge, waiting for a train. I was feeling near as faded as my jeans. Can you believe that he sang the whole song of me and Bobby McGee? Oh, my God. In my ear, a private audience, just me and him together. After he was finished, you know, the windshield wiper slapping time, yes. and all those all those lyrics were so picturesque. I said, man, what a great song with great lyrics. I felt like I was watching a movie. I really was there with you and Bobby McGee with the truck driver clapping hands and you playing harmonica. I said, that, that's a great song. It's going to be a hit someday. Well, the following year, Janis Joplin had a number one hit with it when she recorded it. So I got a chance to hear that song in its early infancy before anybody knew about it, you know? And wow. uh, Chris Christopherson graced me with a private performance of that tune in my dressing room at the Ryman Auditorium. Come wow. on. Wow, 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 wow. You know what? <laughs> right here, that's, wow. You know what? We gotta listen to this right now. You know what? I have right here, check this out. We can put this up here. Yeah, me you. and Bobby McGee. I hope so, let's I right put here. it on my album. There you go. Away before Yeah. I was feeling near as as my jeans. Bobby thumbed the diesel down. He thumbed the diesel down. Just before it rained. Just before it rained. It took us all the way to New Orleans. Well, I pulled out my harmonica. My harmonica. Out my dirty red bandana. I was blowing sad while Bobby sang the blues. What great lyrics! With a windshield wiper slapping time. Bobby clapping hands. Goodbye, singer. Every song that driver knew. Come on, everybody, sing. Let's go. Everybody go. Freedom's just That's another word for nothing left to lose. Nothing ain't worth nothing 
but it's free. Feeling good was easy, Lord, when I loudly sang those blues. Feeling good was good enough for me, yeah. Good enough for me and my Bobby McGee. Beautiful. This is so cool. You know what? Everybody out there, you got to get the CD. It's out. The link is down below, right in there. I'll put the link in the descriptions. Tonight was a great one. But there's more I really, I really enjoyed uh, not only our earlier interview today, but tonight was so much fun. Oh, tonight was so much fun. This was raw. This was raw. Us Are, just we having a good... Are we live? We're live. There's people in here. Look, Debbie's over here. Debbie just goes, look. Definitely fantastic stories, but there's more stories. There's stories about him playing oh, with Jimi Hendrix. I'm trying my. Everybody tells me to write a book. You 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 got to write a book, but you, you know, know Tommy what? James says write a book because he got... wrote a book. You know, a lot of people are writing stories and biographies of their rock and roll life, and I had a very colorful rock and roll life. To, you know, you you have a great. But before I let you go, I I gotta tell you, you turn. You know, the Brotherhood. That band was amazing and uh i actually I, I sent it to a friend of mine i want to give him a prop but you know a little plug out here today i got a surprise in the mail and i gotta thank you very much my buddy rachel bone from skid row he just sent me this great box set of the atlantic years 1989 1996 wow he sent out to me as a gift and rachel bone thank you very much uh great band and you got one two three four five cds it's also oh, on vinyl wow. and uh from skid row Slave to the Grind, B-Sides, Ourselves, Subhuman Race is on here. Then there's Subhuman. Did you ever jam with them? Beings on tour. Do you know Skid Row? Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a real close follower, but I've heard of them. Yeah. Now, now, I never jammed with them, but my friend is the bass player, and he, this is his band. He wrote the songs, and this was a gift. Great band. This is oh, out now, so if you guys are looking. Discs, five discs in there, Five right? discs, yeah, it's, and it's on vinyl as well. Check it out. Thank you, Rachel. Good guy. Great very band, good, and they're on tour. They have a new good. album coming out. But I got it. So what I was going with here, Rachel's a bass player. And I text him. I go, you got to check out Brotherhood. And so I text Rachel this, and it was amazing. And it's your version. This is 1969, I believe, top of my head. Right? Was it 69? 68, 69. 68, 69. Do you have the album in front of you? Do you have the, the vinyl album? Yeah, yeah. Did you put it away? And, no, I and got it. This this i gotta share this with everybody it kicks it's so good now check this out let's see if i can get it on here for a second it, it's just it's incredible uh let's see california dreaming right that's right uh it's california dreaming uh now it's not letting me pull up over here it was so good hold on i got an error now Ugh. all right let's see if i can do this hold on um we probably... did this live in the studio you did it live in the studio what a version of it I sang and played at the same time, and Drake and the drummer, we were all playing at the same time as a power trio, and we did it live, and this is the result of that live recording. And it's probably one of the heaviest, rockiest things I've ever done because it's very gritty, it's very heavy metal, and it has a lot of Jimi Hendrix influence. Yeah, now it's not letting me pull it up. Ugh, you got it. You know what, everybody, you got to get it. It's, it's not letting me pull it up right now on my phone. Why oh, is that? God. Do you know what? It's hold on. It's giving me an error. Hold on. Hold on one second. Let's do this. I know why. Now, now that we built it up, we should play it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to. 
<laughs> you know what? If you want to pull up when I get home, which is on the on that album too, that's also a hard rocker. It, it an is. Old, it's an old Beatles song. When I get home. When I get home, let's pull that up for a second. And Hold that on. has the Hendrix sound in it too. But Brotherhood, I recommend everybody got to check it out. It was uh, amazing, amazing. Okay, let's see over here. When I get home, uh, let's see if it pulls up over here. Now it's not pulling up on me. Okay, you know what? I guess it's 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 the internet. The internet. Sometimes you can't. It's my internet slowing down over uh, here. Okay, but you know uh, what? Yeah, it it it's now. I'm really upset. I gotta. I well, have to, to be continued, huh? We're gonna do a to be continued, but so good, man. Um, what a version! Did you when you recorded that Brotherhood that track was that that was straight live, one straight take live. We wow. did twenty six live takes on it, all the way through, and we finally got the take we wanted, and we had this thing in the middle that got everything turned around backwards and forwards and twisted and we never thought we would get out of it but somehow the drummer did some licks and he pulled us out we thought we were getting lost again and we were going to crash and burn right in that middle instrumental section but somehow we got through it and and he, he pulled us through it and it's it's just an amazing This is so cool. Listen to Drake's guitar. Three piece. Power drill. Me, me, Drake, and Joe Paul. Love it. Stopped into a church. That's a guitar. That's a guitar? That's going to a Leslie speaker. Wow. That was a pedal that Drake had. Sounds like an organ, doesn't it? It does. That's his that's his guitar. You know I love the phrasing. Yeah, I got really loose with it. Here comes Drake. So good. Thank you. 
so good. It's amazing. Okay, I want you to hear this middle part. I want you to hear the middle part where we almost got lost. Coming up. Now you got your groove back. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, there's a bar, there's a bar of two in there. It's a four-four song, but we somehow we slipped in a bar of two. There's two beats, and then we went back to four-four. But but you didn't. You found the one. You got back but on we, there. We kept we kept the groove going. We didn't lose the beat, but somehow the drummer flipped it around so that we didn't get lost in it. But we ended up putting a bar of two in there. I heard somebody yell in the background. There was Frank like a, says. Yeah, because we knew we had it. We knew we got through it. Because we would we, we sometimes we would crash and burn during that little turnaround where I'm just a cappella with no yeah. instruments, you know. So thanks for playing that. Oh, this is great. I feel like I'm getting my second childhood here. Brings back great memories. I love the voice. Very gritty. So good. Very gritty. Boom. <laughs> oh wow. man, that is so heavy, so cool. That's rock and roll. Thank you, Phil Vink Vogue, for being here. The man is out, his CD's out, the link's down below. And if you don't get it, you're out of your mind. And let me tell you something, Rock Hall of Fame, shame on you. This guy, you. his band shame should be you. in there. You guys yeah. write. This I don't is know it. What they're thinking. Nah, shame, you know, shame Paul on Revere, that. Paul Revere and the Raiders were considered one of the coolest groups in the United States in the 60s. We, we sold out every concert hall and arena. Uh, we, we had groups. We had some of the greatest groups in Motown loving us and wanted to learn some of our dance steps, you know, like this the is, temptations. It's, it's, so, it's so great. Karen says, thanks for sharing your stories, Phil. Debbie, Thank you, Karen. Thank you. To be continued, please. You know what? I dig going live like this. And you know what? I think you and I should go live, pick out a record, pick out a, a track of your music, dissect it together i have such a great time and yeah group. well you understand music because you're a bass player oh man it, this was this was one of my favorite shows just now cooking with the kid al pastor great show thank you both thank you for supporting thank, and thank you my friend thank yeah, you thank we you. are now friends you know that, that that's right jackie good to see everybody there with a heart thank you all for being here much love to everybody god bless happy holidays to everybody hope you have and a I good gotta thanksgiving go eat dinner. you eat dinner You've been my friend today. 
me and you bonded. Thank you for spending some time with me. You've been my friend. Oh, we are the friends now. You, the way you, uh, the way you uh, premiered these songs to the people and you said nice things about it, it just makes me feel so good that this this CD is getting a little exposure. You need it. You, I'm you, so proud of it. You, it's it's too good. It shouldn't be hidden under a rock. And you know what? You're a beautiful man. Thank you very much for your time, my friend. Everybody, we're gonna let Phil out there. Phil, me and you'll be talking real soon. Check out his music. Everybody, we will see you all later. Until then, keep you rocking. have a lovely dinner. Rock and ro it's only rock and roll, Phil, and we like yeah. it. And who loves yeah. you, baby? We do. We're out of here. Bye bye. Bye bye. Oh, and before we get out of here, one more thing I got—I forgot to say. Tomorrow night, 8 p.m. on Saturday night, John Sebastian of The Loving Spoonful will be here on this show. So please check out my interview with him. And then next week, you know what? It's the Vinyl Game Show. Showdown. We'll be playing that. Until then, we'll see everybody later. We love you. Phil loves you. Get his CD. Thank everybody you. have a great night.